0: God's word for us today comes from the Gospel of Mark, the 12th chapter. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that Jesus answered them well, he asked him, Which of the commandments is the first of all? Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and besides him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, He said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared ask him any question. This is the gospel of our Lord. Amen. Sisters and brothers, grace to you and peace from God our creator and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. Now, I imagine that some of you sitting here today are saying to yourselves, this sounds a little familiar. This is familiar territory. We've heard these words in worship not so long ago, and you'd be right. Back in the fall, when we were still exploring the Old Testament, we spent some time with Moses and the Israelites in the wilderness at Mount Sinai when they received the law. And we heard God's law and the Ten Commandments, and then we also heard this brief passage from the sixth chapter of Deuteronomy. It's called the Shema. Shema, the Hebrew word for hear or listen. And it has the, the sense of a continuing hearing or listening, as if to say, Keep listening to this. Keep hearing this. This is important stuff. It's essential to your understanding of God and you as a child of God. Keep listening. The Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. There is only one God, and you are to love God with everything you have and everything you are. This is the passage that Jesus quotes when asked by the scribe, what is the first of all commandments? In the verses and chapters leading up to this passage we heard today, Jesus has been engaged in debate with the religious authorities and leaders of his time. All the major political and religious parties are represented. The Sadducees, the Pharisees, the Herodians, the scribes. And it's not unlike the political debates that we're all enjoying in this campaign season. They're debating him about current topics that are of concern, and some of them sound all too familiar, like whether or not we should pay taxes. That's universal, apparently. But others not so familiar, questioning him about whether or not there's such a thing as a resurrection. But you see, they're trying to trap Jesus, I think about some of the debates that I've seen, and sometimes it seems like all of the candidates kind of gang up on one. They want to catch that one candidate in an inconsistency or a lie, or to say or do something that will be a mistake, cause them to fall out of favor with the people so that they end up going out of the running. and These people were trying to trap Jesus, trying to get him to say or do something that they could arrest him for, or something that they could point to and say, well, look, he believes and says this, you don't want to follow him anymore, because they were afraid of him. But this one scribe is listening to Jesus' response, and he's good. No gaffes. No missteps, no mistakes. He speaks as one who has authority. As one who knows what he's talking about, lives what he's talking about, doesn't just get it out of a book. And so he decides to ask him another question. And this is a familiar question of the time. Rabbis, teachers were debating this. The question comes down to this. Out of all the hundreds of laws and commandments that God has given us, is there one that sums them all up? Is there one that distills the essence and nature of all of God's laws? That's the question he asks of Jesus. Which is the first? What's the most important And I think the scribe knew what Jesus was going to say next. The scribe was like a good attorney in the courtroom. He doesn't ask a question without knowing the answer first. And Jesus doesn't disappoint him. He quotes the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is what the scribe expected. But then, Jesus goes on. And now the scribe is surprised. Then, Jesus quotes from the book of Leviticus. Another commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself scribe wasn't expecting that, nor was he expecting him to say what he said next, which was that no other commandment is greater than these. These two commandments together are the greatest together. Scholars tell us that up until this point, no other religious leaders, no other religious authorities had thought to pair these two commandments together. They never would have done it. They never would have thought to put them together as one. But you see, Jesus wants the scribe and you and me to know something about what it means to love God. That we cannot truly express our love for God any other way than by loving our neighbor. Let me say that again. We cannot truly express our love for God any other way than by the love we show our neighbor. If I have disdained for my neighbor... If I forget that my neighbor like me was created in God's image. If I forget that my neighbor like me is loved by God, cherished, valued by God. If I forget that, then I show disdain for God, the one who created my neighbor. If I have indifference if I am indifferent to the suffering and needs of my neighbor, then I'm indifferent to God's will for my life. If I serve my neighbor out of guilt or obligation, if my service toward my fellow human being is begrudging, because it's something I think I have to do, then as far as God's concerned, we're just going through the motions. When I truly understand myself to be loved by God, when I truly understand that all people are created in God's image, that God loves all people, then that's how I will behave, right? And I will show my love and my gratitude for God by the way I treat my neighbor. With love and care and compassion, behavior marked by justice and forgiveness and reconciliation, this is how I will show my love for God. That understanding of life as a gift is crucial to this, really. Because you notice that in Leviticus it says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's important. That yourself part is important. On a couple of different levels. First, just the very practical idea that in order To love our neighbor, we have to love ourselves first. We have to take care of ourselves. We see our lives and all that we have and all the gifts that we've been given as a blessing from God. And as any good steward of any of God's blessings, we take care of that blessing. And we enable ourselves then to be healthy and whole so that we can in turn love our neighbor. This is not selfishness we're talking about. This is not self-centeredness. This is not that understanding of sin as being curved in on ourselves. It is the practical understanding that our life is a gift and we should take care of it. But there's another dimension to this understanding of loving our neighbor as ourselves. And it comes from the Jewish understanding of identity. You see, the Jewish understanding of identity is interwoven with their understanding of community and relationship. To know who I am, I must first know whose I am, which family I'm a part of, what my heritage is, my kin, my community, my people. Only then will I truly understand who I am. When we look at this commandment in that light, what we're really saying is this. That we are called to love the people we do not hang out with just as much as we love the people we do hang out with. That the self-interest of others, other communities, other individuals, is just as important to us as our own self-interest, as a people and as individuals. That's not easy. It goes against the grain of our 21st century Western understanding of who we are as individuals, as independent people. But it's crucial to our understanding of who we are as God's people, as Christians as well. That we understand who we are in the context of our relationships and our community. And this has amazing implications for us as a church, doesn't it? When we think about our identity as community of Christ Church. And it has implications for who we are inside these walls and who we are outside these walls. For a congregation this size, it's always been interesting to me whenever I realize that somebody doesn't know somebody else. Perhaps it's because they worship at 9 o'clock, or they worship at 10.30. Perhaps it's because they're really involved in front porch, or they're really involved in the tech team, and their paths don't always cross. If we are to love our neighbor as ourselves we must get to know ourselves. We must begin to understand who we are, what our identity is as a congregation. And when we do that, we embrace all that holds us together in common, but also we embrace that which makes us unique and different from one another. This is a diverse congregation. We must get to know one another. That requires everyone's involvement. That requires everyone in worship. That requires everyone gathered around the Word to study and to learn about God's will for our lives, to, he- to read the stories, the confessions of faith of those who have gone before, and to see where our stories intersect with God's. That requires gathering together in service and fellowship. That will require bolstering our small group ministry so that we find ways to bring people together in smaller groups to get to know one another. To mix it up, to not always be with the same people we always hang out with. That's going to be hard. It means being vulnerable. It means opening ourselves up to new ideas, new ways of being. It means putting ourselves in situations where we'll be with people who don't always agree with us. This is what it means to love our neighbor as ourselves. As we gather together in worship, for some, there are certain elements of worship that are life-giving and meaningful. And for others, those same elements of worship, they could take or leave. But how wonderful that they might take a moment to thank God that those things in worship that they could take or leave are feeding those sitting next to them, and vice versa. There are ministries that speak to your passions and gifts that don't speak to others, and vice versa. How wonderful that we might lift up to God our thanks and praise, that there is a variety of ways of serving God and that all are included. How do we do that? We invite, we welcome, we bring ourselves together in small groups and in worship and in education and in fellowship and in service. We learn from one another and we grow in our faith together. And then we look around and we ask ourselves this question. Who's not here? Who's not here? I don't just mean who isn't here this week who was here last week or who is not here that was here a month ago or a year ago, but also who's never been here? Who in our community needs to hear a word of love and grace? How can we connect our gifts and our passions to the needs of the world around us? Again, it's not easy. It's going to involve bringing new ideas in, people who think differently than we do, who act differently than we do. But that's what it means to love our neighbor as ourselves. Which is how we show our love for the God who has given us everything that we have our lives, our congregation, everything. Now, we're going to be like the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Herodians, and we're going to fall into old patterns and old habits, and we're going to think more about the people in the pews than the people outside these walls. But do you remember what Jesus said to the scribe? You are not far from the kingdom of God. I bet he was offended. Because he knew the scriptures backwards and forwards. He followed the letter of the law. And for someone to tell him that he was not far from the kingdom, he didn't want to hear that. But remember what Jesus said earlier in Mark's gospel. For humankind, it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. You see, even at our best, we will never earn our way into God's kingdom. But the good news is we don't need to. We have been given the gift of grace. God, through Jesus Christ, through his life, death, and resurrection, has already given us the kingdom. It will come. But in the meantime, don't you want to be like the scribe who's close? Don't you want to occasionally get a glimpse of it? Don't you want to look around this room and around this place and around this community and say to yourself, My goodness, this must be what the kingdom looks like? I do. Our team leaders, our council, our staff, all of us together, along with all of you, are wrestling with who we are. What is our identity? Who is God calling us to be? Let's start here. Here, O community of Christ Church, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Let's start there, and together dream of where God will take us. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for occasionally giving us glimpses of your kingdom, a place where all are welcome all ages, all backgrounds. Help us to reach outside of ourselves. Help us to let go of our own wants and needs and seek the highest good of our neighbor so that they might know Your love through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our worship continues now with the sharing of our gifts and offerings.